Too smart for your trading app? Tired of brokers made for beginners? Then it's time you get serious. It's time you join Tasty Trade. The tools and tech you need for a tough market, plus low and capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more, all in one place. If you trade anywhere else, you're missing out. Join the club, genius. Visit TastyTrade.com. Tasty Trade Inc. is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA, NFA, and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with stocks that are looking to shake off a losing week, with the Dow crossing back into negative territory for the year, futures pointing to more losses. Earnings are set to be the catalyst this week with big tech in the spotlight. As high-flying stocks, they grapple with rising bonds. We are going to tee up the key numbers to watch. Also, Israel ramping up its strikes against Hamas as humanitarian aid. It continues to flow into the Gaza Strip as this conflict now enters its third week. Plus, we have China setting its sights on Foxconn as the Apple supplier finds itself the latest target of regulatory probes. And then later in the show, House Republicans, they once again, they try to elect a speaker with several party members now making their bid for the top job. Latest from Washington on this Monday, October the 23rd, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I hope you had a great weekend. I'm Frank Collins. Let's get you ready to start this trading week. As always, we kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. Take a look right here. You can see they are red across the board. It looks like the Dow would open up about 80 points lower. So stocks coming off a tough week with a major indice shedding between two and a half and more than four percent last week. Take a look right here. You can see it was the Nasdaq, the hardest hit last week. Also important to note, the Dow down two and a half percent last week, crossing back into negative territory for the year with that two and a half percent drop. But remember, that was last week. This week, it's the busiest for earnings season set to provide fresh fuel for stocks. Thirty percent of the S&P 500 and 40 percent of the Dow will be reporting. Among the notable reports, four of the mega cap tech names. We're talking Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon and Meta. More on those in just a moment. And of course, this morning, as always, we're going to check the bond market. We continue to watch the benchmark 10 year with this yield hovering right around the 5 percent mark. I mean, you literally can't get any closer right now. Four point nine 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 percent right now. Important note, the two year note and the 30 year, the long bond also elevated the yields above 5 percent. And we want to check the energy market. Oil coming off its second straight week of gains. Take a look right now. Seeing a bit of a rise in oil. It was in the negative earlier this morning. Right now, just fractionally higher for WTI crude, trading at 88.11 a barrel. Brent crude back above 90 bucks a barrel, moving higher. Natural gas up almost a half a percent. That's the setup for the new trading week now. Let's get much more with Jay Hatfield, founder and CIO at InfraCap. Jay, good morning. It is great to have you here with us this morning. How are you? Morning, Frank. Thanks for having me on. All right. So just recently, you actually raised your S&P 500 price target to 4,500, between 4,500 and 5,000. Now, that implies a 6 percent, almost 8 percent rise from where we're trading at right now when it comes to the S&P. What's giving you the confidence to raise your price target? What's the catalyst for this big upside move potentially? Well, the, this week will be a good test of that thesis for two reasons. The first is, the, as you already mentioned, uh, mega tap, cap tech. So we think the AI boom could arguably take us really above fair value. <clears throat> but the other portion of our bullish call is that we think rates have peaked, which is non-consensus, really because we see Europe 
going into a recession this quarter. We'll get better data at the end of this month on both the EC and importantly, Italy. Um, Italy is, their economy is the weakest in, in Europe and they have the worst budget deficit and the highest debt to GDP. So they're the weak link that could cause the ECB to cut rates as early as next year. All right. So, Jay, clearly you're looking at a lot of different macro factors. I want to bounce some research off you. This is from Ed Yardeni. He released it overnight. Um, he says, in part, the escalation of hostilities, we expect prompts us to raise our, our odds of a U.S. recession before year-end 2024 again, now to 35 percent from 30 percent. A year-end rally is less likely now, but geopolitical crises they do tend to present long-term buying opportunities in stocks. So Edgar Denny again out with a new note saying a year-end rally is less likely, recession odds increasing, but this could be a buying opportunity. Agree or disagree? Well, I think there's a couple of elements that would be consistent with our thesis, which is the other. there's two other reasons that probably the 10-year is peaking or we think it's peaking, and that is that when rates rise so quickly, there is a response. So the U.S., both auto sector and housing sector are likely to, to slow. We don't think crash, but slow. The odds of a recession are higher. We still don't think there will be one. We have infrastructure spending as an offset. We do have the AI boom, none of which, by the way, are in Europe. So we agree the recession risks have risen, but, but we would still be buyers because those recession risks are likely to cool off the 10-year, which has been the key overhang on the market, particularly last week. So you also believe that bond yields are, are pretty close to peaking right now, somewhere around 5%. So maybe not a buying opportunity when it comes to stocks, but what about bonds? In your mind, should investors try to lock in these higher rates? Well, we think so. And that's that would really underpin our, if in fact we're correct about that, our target in the S&P. The other side of that, though, is it's important to note that every 40 basis point move in the Treasury uh, implies from a theoretical basis a one-point reduction in the S&P fair value multiple. So I would say that if we're not correct about rates and they don't rally, then our target is not going to be reached. It would probably be closer to our original target at the beginning of the year, about 4,500, um, because okay. we do think the tech earnings will be strong. But rates are really key, not just to the bond market, but also stock market. All right, Jay, one, quest, one other quick question, if you don't mind. Looking at the Dow futures right now, moving lower since we've been talking, we've seen a trend of Europe opening lower, and then it obviously hits the U.S. or not obviously, but it tends to hit the U.S. markets as well. What do you think's the reason for those mechanics? As you mentioned, two very different markets in Europe and the U.S. Well, we think that it's not just Europe's stocks opening, but also bonds. It's a world bond market. And if you look right now, the world bond market's off slightly. So I think that's really the driver is is not so much stock prices in Europe. European multiples are depressed. They're about 10 times earnings. They already reflect this negative outlook on um, the economy. But their bond market is really driving our bond market, which really? is driving our stock market. All right. Something our Jim Cramer has talked a lot about, about Europe opening and then the U.S. following. Something we'll have to watch, those European bonds. Jay Hatfield, thank you very much. Great. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for having me on. So as we mentioned, it is the busiest week of earnings season with 30 percent of the S&P 500 reporting results. The list includes four of the mega cap tech giants. We're talking Microsoft, Alphabet, Meta and Amazon. These companies, along with NVIDIA, which reports next month, are expected to do much of the heavy lifting on the overall earnings growth for the markets. 
Let's talk much more about this with Richard Kramer, co-founder and senior analyst at Arite Research. Richard, good morning. It's great to have you. Hey, Frank. Nice to see you again. All right. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, four of the Magnificent Seven reporting this week. Which one of these reports this week do you see having the biggest impact on the markets? Well, I think the one that's going to be most controversial and is kind of a consensus long is Meta. But if you look into next year, the street is looking for 13% growth at Meta and 10% growth in the advertising business at Google. And you think about those two companies together, that means they'll be bringing in $40 billion of additional revenue in their advertising businesses next year. And the question really is, where is that going to come from? I think your previous guest alluded to the, the risks around the consumer. Uh, and Meta is a company that gives guidance for fourth quarter. I think people will be looking for reduction in expenses, but it's going to be whether they can sustain that top line growth and bring in that absolute level of spend that's going to be really controversial. So you're saying it's all about consumer strength. I mean, remember last week or was it last week where we saw that better than expected retail sales number? We keep hearing these projections for considerable growth this holiday season. But you're saying you have doubts about companies willing to spend to chase those consumers, it sounds like. Well, I think there's, there's two things that you have to separate. One is the consumer spend, which is facing a lot of headwinds, whether it's student debt repayments, it's the lag effect of interest rate rises, it's all the various pressures piling onto consumers, higher energy prices and so forth. And on the flip side, what you've seen in many of the big tech companies is steep reductions in their own expenses. It's not just headcount expenses, it's okay. pullbacks in advertising spend and so forth. So their margins will be fine. The question is, can they find enough top line growth in their overall businesses? And again, you have to take in mind the scale of these big tech companies versus their smaller peers. I want to talk top line growth when it comes to cloud infrastructure. Of course, we're talking Amazon, yeah. Microsoft and Google, their cloud business. Yeah really the growth driver for each one of these companies. What are you expecting from these results? Are you expecting to see a reacceleration in this cloud business and any shifts in market share, any in noticeable shifts? So what you saw with these, these cloud players is that they all faced a reduction in growth because companies were optimizing. And whilst they couldn't take away the licensed software that they committed themselves to, they could reduce how frequently they were compiling their apps or, or, or managing, uh, managing workflows in the cloud. Now what you'll see happening is maybe not a reacceleration, but hitting that trough point in, in growth rates at the likes of Amazon or, or Microsoft. But again, you have to look at the scale of these businesses. Microsoft is a $180, $200 billion software business. You compare it with Europe's largest competitor here, SAP, it's $30 billion. And smaller companies like Workday and, and ServiceNow are 7 or $8 billion businesses. So the scale that these companies need to bring in in terms of incremental revenue to grow is quite daunting. Richard Kramer, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for this look ahead at Big Tech Earnings. we got four of the Magnificent Seven reporting this week. Appreciate your time and your insight. Thanks. All right, we're going to follow some breaking news here on Worldwide Exchange. Chevron is buying Hess for $171 a share or a total of $53 billion. Chevron says a proposed deal, including debt, has a total enterprise value of $60 billion. Hess CEO John Hess will now join Chevron's board. Taking a look at the stock moves right now. Hess shares up about 3% right now. Chevron falling 1.5% on the news of this proposed deal. Chevron looking to buy Hess for $53 billion total or $171 a share. Uh, you can see it's just a, a few dollar premium to where Hess is trading right now. But again, the stock moving higher on that news. 
All right, turn our attention now to Washington, D.C. Here in the U.S., House Republicans heading into another week without a House speaker, trying once again to overcome internal divisions to get behind a new candidate. And now several party members are looking to throw their hats into the ring for that position. NBC's Bree Jackson joins us now with the very latest on the drama in D.C. Bree, good morning. Good morning, Frank. So right now, there's no clear front runner. Nine House Republicans officially launched a bid for the speakership. The candidates include Jack Bergman, who's a retired Marine lieutenant, Byron Donalds of Florida, who has been a big supporter of former President Trump, and Majority Whip Tom Immer of Minnesota. Immer has the endorsement of former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Now, tonight, they will make their case to their party in a closed-door form. And then on Tuesday morning, the Republicans will hold another internal vote to choose their next nominee. Whoever that lawmaker turns out to be, they will then face that uphill battle of trying to win 217 votes in the full House. Now, the House has been without a Speaker since Kevin McCarthy was ousted from the job on October 3rd. These nine new candidates stepped forward after Scalise and Jim Jordan failed to secure the 217 votes needed to win the gavel. So we'll see who comes out as the nominee, the GOP nominee for the position, and whether or not this next person uh, can get to the 217 votes this week. Yeah, it could be very interesting down there in D.C. for quite a few more days. Bree Jackson, it's always great to see you. Great reporting as always. Thank you. All right, a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. Also, we're digging into tech's tough week. We're going to sift through the technical signals and the real impact that higher rates are having on the sector's solid run. Plus, Israel continuing its military campaign against Hamas amid mounting fears of that conflict now growing larger. We're live in the Middle East with the very latest. And then later, potential progress on the Hollywood actors strike and union officials and studios We look to get back to the bargaining table. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, bringing you an expanding library of education with even more ways to sharpen your trading skills. Access new online courses, insightful webcasts, articles, engaging videos, and more, all curated just for traders. Plus, guided learning paths with content designed to fit your unique interests. No sifting to find exactly what you need so you can spend your time learning to trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com trading. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Taking a look at U.S. futures right now. Taking a move to the downside since we started the show. Looks like the Dow would open up about 120 points lower right now. When we started the show, the S&P and the NASDAQ fractionally lower. Now both down just about a third of a percent in early trading. Let's see how Europe is shaping up as its trading day gets underway. Our Jemana Bersetchi is live in our London newsroom with much more on the early action. Jemana, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Well, the handover from Asian markets was pretty risk-off. You can see all of these indices in the red. Of course, investors are very much focused on the situation in the Middle East, the potential for a wider conflict within the region. 
uh, and that is keeping sentiment, risk on sentiment at bay. Shanghai Composite down 1.5%, back to pre-pandemic levels there. The Hang Seng down 7 tenths of a percent. A key psychological level for the Nikkei down through 31,000, 8 tenths of a percent weaker on the session. We saw some weakness in oil miners as well as some of the chip makers within the Japanese index. But let's turn over to European markets as well. The picture isn't as negative. You can see there is one spot of green on the Italian index. It's up about a tenth of a percent. But more broadly speaking, we are deeply in the red. The FTSE 100 down four tenths of a percent. Basic resources underperforming. Some of the home builders in line with the price action and yields. ZDAX in Germany also down half a percent. And one stock we're watching for there is Volkswagen right at the bottom of the DAX index. You can see it is down 2.4% today. This after the automaker slashed its profit outlook for the year after taking a hit from its raw material hedges and its preliminary results released after the close on Friday. VW said it took a 2.5 billion euro non-cash hedging loss. So the reaction has been pretty negative, negative. And year to date, you can see the stock is down 24%. It is also dragging down other automakers within the sector. But Frank, it's a huge week for Europe. We've got earnings coming up as well and the ECB on Thursday. So lots more to watch out for this week. All right, Jemana, thank you very much. Our Jemana Brissetti live in our London newsroom. Uh, for our viewers right now, we want to pay attention to the bond market right now. Take a look. Look at the 10-year yield. It has officially crossed the 5% mark once again. We saw it briefly happen last week, right now at 5.006%. Uh, we've been watching out for this. We actually did a, you know, some specials on this here on Worldwide Exchange, looking at the impact. There's something we're going to follow throughout the morning. But again, I want to point out to you right now, the 10-year yield right now just crossing 5%. All right, we want to shift gears now to the latest on the situation in the Middle East. Over the weekend, Israel ramping up its attacks on targets across the Gaza Strip and beyond as the fighting now enters its third week. NBC's Jay Gray is in Tel Aviv with much more on the latest there. Jay, good morning. Hey, good morning, Frank. And the airstrikes from Israeli forces have really intensified. The pace has picked up dramatically over the last 24 hours. The IDF, IDF saying that they've hit 320 military targets, including tunnels, including operational centers, and they are clearing areas, they say, surrounding the border. We now know uh, that small strike teams have moved across that border and into the region, uh, they say, searching for hostages and making sure that the area is maintained. We know that there have been continued skirmishes around the fence uh, at the Gaza border, and, and it's clear from the language that the IDF is using at this point uh, that they are focusing on that ground assault, something we've talked about for days, but it does appear with the movement of troops, the re-establishing positions of equipment along the border that we could be close to that incursion. Uh, quoting now from uh, one of the commanders on those airstrikes, he is saying, and, and again, this is their words, that they are working to leave Hamas weakened, tired, dislocated, in preparation for our next stage of military operations. So, Jay, we also have been talking about the flow of humanitarian aid in Gaza. What's the latest on that situation? Well, it we had 17 trucks go in yesterday, uh, water, medicine, food, desperately needed items. The U.N. saying, though, that it's only 4% of what they would normally see uh, per day as far as supplies moved into that area. 20 trucks on the border today and look like they will be moving in as well. The White House has now promised a continuous flow of aid. Israel seem to, seems to agree. The one thing, Frank, we won't see moving in that they do desperately need is fuel. They're 
not going to allow fuel to go in. The Israelis aren't. And some of the hospitals are burning their last bits of fuel. They're not going to be able to continue to operate if they don't find some way to get some fuel into that area. All right. Jay Gray, live in Tel Aviv. Thank you for the very latest. Jay, you stay safe as well. Thanks. All right. Ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, a key rolling around realtor commissions in the Big Apple, potentially having major ramifications for the national real estate market. We're going to explain that one when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. Schwab Trading is now powered by Ameritrade to give you a new, elevated trading experience tailor-made for trader minds. Go deeper with Thinkorswim, the powerful, award-winning trading platforms now at Schwab. Unlock support from the Trade Desk, our team of passionate traders who live and breathe trading like you do. And sharpen your skills with an expanding library of online education crafted just for traders. All designed to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com trading. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. A look at today's big consumer stat and potential fresh signals of strain. 5.4%. That's the drop year over year in visits to retail stores. We're including superstores, grocery stores, dollar stores, and department stores during the second week of October. That's according to data from KeyBank. Turning our attention now to the housing market and real estate officials in New York, they're making a historic change when it comes to commissions, and there's some big money at stake. Our Robert Frank joins us now. Robert, good morning. What is this ruling? What does it really center around? Well, Frank, the Real Estate Board of New York announcing a big change in how buyer brokers are actually paid. The board's going to prohibit a listing broker, that's the broker for the seller, from paying the buyer's agent. Now, currently, the listing broker actually splits the commission, that's usually 5 to 6%, with the buyer broker. Under the new rule, that's going to start January 1st. The buyer's agent will be paid directly by the seller. This change comes during a national backlash and a class action lawsuit against that so-called split rule. Thousands of home sellers have sued the National Association of Realtors and two agencies alleging anti-competitive practices. Now, in other developed countries, buyer brokers are paid by their clients. It's typically 1.5%. Studies show that brokers steer clients away from homes that might have lower commissions The trial is underway in Kansas City. The NAR is saying, quote, the market itself decides how real estate agent services are given and paid for. But, Frank, the big fear on the part of brokers is that this could start to chip away at that sacred 5 to 6 percent commission that they have long held. This is an eyebrow-raising story, Robert. I, I think the big question is, could this possibly lower the fees that you have to pay to your agent? Because I think we all know a lot of times agents, they push back if you try to lower that commission. They do push back. And it's, it's surprisingly hard to get it much lower than maybe 5%, even in high-end markets like New York or Los Angeles. And in most other countries, Frank, developed countries, the total brokerage fees are somewhere between 2 to 3%. So they're half what they are in the U.S. So the hope is that this lawsuit which started last week and will continue this week, run on through the the entire month of November, could eventually start chipping away at that 6% or at least make it more transparent as to how each broker is earning that 3% split on that 6%. Robert, I think you're going to have a busy day. I think a lot of eyebrows are raising about this story because if you ever try to get that below 5%, you get so much pushback. And realtors act like it's actually a law when really it is negotiable. It is 
it is sort of negotiable. But the question in this lawsuit is, is it de facto a law? Because in order to belong to the National Association of Realtors, you have to adhere to their policy, which until recently said the seller broker has to pay the buyer broker and they've got to split that. And so in order to get your house listed on multiple listing services, you had to adhere to that principle and those guidelines. Fascinating story. Robert Frank, always great to see you. Great reporting as always. Thank you. All right, still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange, shares of Tesla. We're taking a look at them. They're looking to bounce back after shedding more than 15% last week, worst week of the year. We dig into what the charts may be telling us with Fair Leads' Katie Stockton. That's coming up. As we had to break, we want to take one more look at Treasuries. As we mentioned earlier, the benchmark tenure, that yield crossing the 5% mark right now at 5.008. Something we'll continue to watch throughout the morning. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up after this. Hey, it's right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. Stocks slide set to roll into a new week as investors get ready for the busiest week of this earnings season. Futures are pointing to some pressure at the open. Tech on top of the earnings radar with several key players out with their results. We're going to dig into the technical signals the sector is sending ahead of those numbers. And Apple supplier Foxconn facing fresh regulatory pressure from China and taking a bite out of that stock today. It is Monday, October the 23rd, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I am Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start this trading day. As always, we check the futures as the half an hour gets started right now. Take a look. U.S. stock futures in the red across the board. The Dow moving significantly to the downside since we started the show. Down 100 points since Worldwide Exchange started. Looking like it'll open up about 180 points lower right now. The S&P and the Nasdaq, as you can see, also in the red and moving lower in the last half an hour or so. So investors, they are facing the busiest week for earnings season this week with 30 percent of the S&P 500 and 40 percent of the Dow reporting. Big names reporting. We're talking Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon and Meta. We're going to dive deeper into tech's recent performance in just one moment. But right now, we're going to check the bond market right now. Take a look right here. One of the factors on the futures this morning, the the rise in bond yields right now, specifically the 10 year, that Treasury it hit the 5% yield mark during the show, right now trading at 5.012. Um, a key level for sentiment. Also, we're seeing the two-year and the 30-year, the, the long bond, trading higher as well when it comes to the yield there. We also want to look at the energy market. Oil coming off its second straight week of gains. Right now, you can see right now, WTI, this U.S. benchmark, actually moving a bit to the downside as we've seen yields move higher this morning. Fractionally lower. Brent crude, that's the international benchmark, trading at 92 bucks a barrel right now. Just fractionally higher, and natural gas is taking a bit of a dip, but still in the green this morning. We're also following some breaking news in the energy space. Chevron looking to buy Hess for $171 a share, or a total of $53 billion. Taking a look at those stocks this morning. The action right here, we're seeing Chevron moving lower, down about 2.5%. Hess moving higher, up about 2.5%. Moving a bit off of its highs of earlier this morning when the news was first announced. Remember, Chevron looking to take over Hess at 171 a share, trading at about 167 right now. All right, turning back to earnings season, tech earnings are likely to be a key catalyst for the price action this week. But the question is, what do the technicals say about this setup? We're going to bring in Katie Stockton, Fairlead Strategies founder and managing partner, 
as well as a CNBC contributor. Katie, it is so great to have you here with us this morning. Good to be here. All right, so we're taking a look at the technicals. We're looking at the charts. We're going to start off with the NASDAQ 100, um, facing some pressure from rising yields. Again, as we mentioned this morning, the 10-year yield crossing that 5% mark, also rising oil prices. What are the charts telling you about the NASDAQ 100? Well, there's definitely been bearish sentiment, and it does seem to be instilled, as usual, from Treasury yields. So that 5% threshold is definitely an issue for the market from a sentiment perspective. And what it's done effectively is kept it in this corrective phase, which has unfolded in this ABC fashion. Now we have support levels being tested by the major indices, including the NASDAQ 100. It's really almost in line roughly 13,834, and that's our initial level, or that's actually the secondary level, forgive me. And that is what would become the downside target should we see a breakdown. Now, we're hoping to see, of course, the market come out of this corrective phase. We saw an intermediate term oversold condition registered last week. And with that, we are looking for support to be discovered. Okay. We want to turn back to earnings season. Microsoft reporting its earnings tomorrow. Obviously, it's going to have a big factor on the NASDAQ 100. So we're kind of just moving along in the factors that are going to impact big tech earnings. What are you seeing when we look at this chart? Yeah, same idea. We have an ABC corrective wave that has unfolded within the context of the cyclical bull trend. Still intact, but barely, right? We have support. It's roughly 308 for Microsoft. And as long as that level's intact, we're assuming, again, that this is a correction, not the start of something worse. Where Microsoft starts to look like it's advancing from that corrective phase is around 340. But you can see, importantly, there's very strong resistance, and it goes back to about 350. And above that, that's where you see new highs logged by Microsoft. So we're hopeful that this is just a correction, not the start of something worse. But it's really important that we see that 308 level hold. All right. So the area of resistance is 350, you're saying. Right now, trading at just about 325. So something to watch. Uh, Earnings coming up could be obviously a catalyst for this stock to move to the upside. That's right. Yep. All right. Certainly last but not least, we're talking Tesla. Those shares down about 15 percent in the last week reported earnings last week. Uh, What are you seeing when it comes to the charts here for the EV maker? Yeah, you know, the gap down in response to earnings was unfortunate because we saw Tesla come down from this triangle formation. So that uh, is a pretty high probability setup to the downside. And we saw indeed that downside follow through. Now you can see that Tesla's uh, testing its 200-day moving average. That 200-day is rising. So that's a reflection of the long-term turnaround that we saw this year. And that's intact as long as support is intact in this case as well. And it happens to be basically in line with current prices. So we're hoping to see Tesla discover some support in here near term. The triangle breakdown is definitely a setback, though. Okay. Historically, when you look at the technicals on Tesla, I'm going to move these out. Just the, the year trend that we're seeing right here. What does that tell you about the direction of the stock? Can you, can you look back all the way to the beginning of this chart, or is it really just the recent action with obviously the catalyst of earnings that you're watching? Well, we're always looking at it within the context of the broader trend, and that still is higher. In fact, you could actually make a comparison between this corrective phase okay. and the current one for the market here, or for, the, for Tesla in particular. And to us, we haven't yet seen that unfold in a breakdown, and that's important to us for the broader market. So as long as these support levels hold, we're generally constructive in assuming that this uptrend that has established itself this year is intact. And that, of course, is a reversal of 2022. 
You know, a lot of times we hear technical analysts talk about a stock making higher lows. Is that what you're talking about here with these two moves? That's right. And you can see it in the curvature of the 200-day moving averages as well. Generally speaking, if those are pointing higher, there is a long-term uptrend in place. Okay. And it also can be a support level. Tracking the technicals. Katie Stockton, thank you so much for being here. Uh, drawing on the charts for us and giving us a lot of insight and direction of tech with earnings season just getting underway. Thank you again. Of course. All right. Time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Bertha Coombs is here with those. Bertha, good morning. Good morning, Frank. The Biden administration announcing in the last hour that it is designating 31 tech hubs across the country in an effort to drive innovation and job creation. The authorization by the Commerce Department uh, comes as part of the CHIPS Act. The hubs will be able to apply to receive between 40 and 70 million dollars in funding each, totaling nearly half a billion dollars. Striking Hollywood actors set to return to the negotiating table this week, nearly two weeks after failing to reach a deal with the major studios. Two sides set to come together tomorrow. Actors have been facing increased pressure to get the industry back to work due to the strike's impact on jobs and revenue in Los Angeles, the real hub of production. And Stone Peak Partners announcing an agreement to buy container leasing firm Textainer in a deal valued at approximately $7.4 billion. Textainer shareholders will receive $50 per share in cash, representing a total value of common shares equal to $2.1 billion, with the deal expected to close during the first quarter of 2024. You can see the stock up there about 42%. It's shaping up to be a merger Monday, it looks like, Frank. You know, a lot of action on this Monday morning. We thought it was going to be a quiet one. We just saw the 10-year cross, yeah. uh, 5% on the yield. We're seeing some action in the pre-market, a lot going on. Bertha Coombs, great to have you here. And Thank Chevron you. Hess. Oh, Chevron Hess. You're, good point. All right, we're going to turn our attention now to Apple supplier Foxconn. Those shares taking a hit in overseas trading. This after the company announced it will cooperate with Chinese authorities on investigations following reports over the weekend of fresh probes. Uh, shares of uh, Foxconn right now, also known as Hanhai Precision Industry, down just about 3%. JP On, he joins us now from Singapore with much more on this story. JP, what's the latest? Well, Frank, uh, good morning to you guys out there. We can't underscore, we don't have to remind folks why Foxconn is very important. If you do own an iPhone or an iPad, there's a good chance that was made in one of Foxconn's mega factories in mainland China because they are arguably Apple's biggest and most important supplier. And they are now facing a, a tax audit, it seems, out in China with some of their subsidiaries alongside an investigation for their alleged land use, the way they're using their land by the Natural Resources Department. Now, Foxconn did say legal compliance is one of their fundamental principles and they are actually cooperating fully with Chinese authorities on these investigations. Now, it's very important to take a note of this because two sources who spoke to Reuters who wanted to be uh, want to remain nameless, understandably, did say that they found the timing of these actually unusual because they pointed out that the, a number of other firms are also subject to a certain round of tax audits, but that none of them were named and only Foxconn, known as Hanhai in Taipei, were actually named. And they do find the timing a bit unusual, also happening at a time when many companies like Foxconn are actually starting to shift some of their supply chains away from China China as part of that U.S.-China decoupling because of the rising tensions between the two largest economies in the entire world. They do feel that this could be a message from Beijing saying, we see what you're doing, we see your relocation for the, of your certain factories to Vietnam and India, and we want to know if you're on our side or, or on the side 
of the of of the of the other uh, economic current there, and they do feel that this is uh, one of the main reasons why they're getting a little bit more heat from Beijing, Frank. So, JP, you mentioned some of the possible political implications in all of this. I also want to point out that Apple shares are down about one and a half percent. Do you see this interrupting the operations for Foxconn long term or even in the near term? Well, I mean, there could be interruptions, um, um, perhaps not so much. They did say that operations probably will not be endangered as long as the tax audit is actually conducted uh, effectively. But it's interesting you bring up some of those uh, political implications, actually, because we do also know, uh, and, and these two sources did note, that this investigation is actually coming a little over two months before Taiwan holds their general elections. And we do know that Foxconn's founder and former chairman, Terry Goh, is actually running as uh, for the presidency of Taiwan. Now, he has actually shown to be a little bit more uh, warm towards Beijing. He does feel that the current administration in Taiwan has taken actually to the brink of confrontation with Beijing and that there is a need to cool down tensions. And he feels that his connections with the mainland actually allows him to at least normalize relations between Taiwan and China. Keep in mind that uh, many countries, including the United States, do not uh, recognize Taiwan as an independent state, and China firmly claims that Taiwan is still theirs. Um, now, the, it's also important to note that in the Global Times, one of the major tabloids in, the, in, in China, they did note that if Goda actually runs, he could split the opposition vote, which could clear the way for the ruling party to actually stay in power in Taiwan and continue to drive what they feel are secessionist undertones in Taiwan. So a lot of political implications behind this. It's not just about business and possibly not just about a tax audit facing one of Apple's most important suppliers, Frank. J.P. Ong, live in Singapore. J.P., thank you so much. Great reporting as always. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, Greece getting a major vote of confidence around its economy for the first time in a decade. But first, as we had to break, we have some of your top trending stories. Another week, another win for Taylor Swift. The Eras movie taking in an estimated $31 million in the box office over the weekend, adding to the more than $92 million it scored during its record-breaking opening weekend. She's also at the Chiefs game. They won, too. America now running on Duncan at night. The coffee chain launching its first ever espresso martini at a pop-up in New York City this month. The Duncan Teeny features vodka, Duncan cold brew, espresso liqueur, and simple syrup. And it's topped by a munchkin garnish. And your next Uber ride could be up in the air. The company now offering hot air balloon rides in Turkey through mid-November for $159. Passengers will get a one and a half hour sunrise balloon ride over the region's volcanic scenery and ancient sites. Rideshare taking it to new levels. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. We're going to take one look at futures right now. You can see the Dow is down 200 points in the pre-market. The Nasdaq and the S&P also moving lower this morning. This follows a move in Treasuries with the 10-year, the benchmark. Its yield moving higher, crossing that 5% mark where it remains right now. Uh, this story will continue to watch throughout the show and honestly throughout the day here on CNBC again. The 10-year yield now back above 5%, briefly touched 5% last week, back above that measure once again. All right, time now for your morning call sheet. We're going to look at some big stock moves this morning or big calls on stocks this morning. We begin with Stiefel upgrading its rating and price target on Pinterest, raising it to a buy in $32 per share. Stiefel saying in part it thinks there's still room for growth outside the domestic market for the social media company. You can see shares of Pinterest up just about 2.5% this morning. We also have Piper Sandler cutting its rating on Salesforce, moving into neutral. It says, while the valuation remains reasonable, execution risk is increasing and growth. That's now a bigger question. Shares of Salesforce this morning down by 2%. Last but not least, J.P. Morgan raising its rating and price target on Walgreens, 
moving it to overweight and $30 per share. JPM saying it's encouraged by the expertise new CEO Tim Wentworth will bring to the company and that his cash flow profile should improve next year. Shares of Walgreens right now up just over 3%. And it's time now for your global briefing. We begin with Greece winning a new vote of confidence in its economy as the S&P upgrades the country's credit rating to investment grade. Greece's bonds, they were cut to junk status back in 2010. That was during the financial crisis, and that pushed it to the brink of collapse and led to a series of massive international bailouts. We also have Philips swinging to a third quarter profit and raises its guidance for the year. The Dutch health tech company reporting growth in all segments led by double-digit sales in its diagnosis and connected care units. Philips now expects, expects to report sales growth of 6 to 7% this year, up from the mid-single digits. And Roche striking a deal to buy Televent Holdings from Pfizer and U.S. biopharma Royvent Holdings for $7.1 billion. You can see Royvent shares up double digits right now. So in this deal, uh, they're going to get the rights to manufacture and sell Televent's drug to treat inflammatory bowel disease in the U.S. and in Japan. Royvent was founded by Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. Again, Royvent shares, they're up just over 13% this morning. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today, plus the underperforming healthcare play that our next guest says she's very bullish on. That's our mystery chart. We're going to reveal it in just a minute. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. We are watching bond yields right now. Take a look. The benchmark tenure, that yield crossing the 5% mark, a key psychological leather, also, also putting some pressure on the markets. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But again, benchmark tenure, that yield now just crossing the 5% mark, 5.012, off of its highs of just a few minutes ago, but still back above 5%. All right, time now for your WEX wrap-up. Breaking this morning, we have some M&A news. Chevron buying Hess for $171 a share or a total of $53 billion with debt. The proposed deal has an enterprise value of $60 billion. Taking a look at shares of both companies, Chevron moving lower, down just over 3%. Hess up almost 2%. Nine Republicans reportedly vying for the vacant House Speaker position after Jim Jordan failed to secure the vote last week. Hopeful candidates include representatives from Minnesota, Florida, Oklahoma, and Texas. All right, looking overseas, Israeli warplanes striking in Gaza overnight, as well as hitting two airports in Syria and a mosque in the West Bank over the weekend. This, says more humanitarian aid convoys, they make their way into the Gaza Strip. Also, Apple supplier Foxconn says it plans to cooperate with Chinese authorities on tax audits and on-site investigations following reports that China has launched checks into the company's subsidiaries. And the Wall Street Journal is reporting that airlines are pushing for safety alerts in the cockpits in response to some close calls on the runway, though regulators, they remain hesitant to adopt the technology due to expense concerns. And the Journal separately reporting that SpaceX has signed a deal to launch up to four of Europe's communication satellites into space using its Falcon 9 rocket over the next two years. The paper says final approval for that deal is expected by the end of next year. All right, here's what to watch as we gear up to kick off a new trading week. It's all about earnings with the busiest week of the season taking place. 30% of the S&P 500 and 40% of the Dow will be reporting. Among the notable reports for the mega cap tech names, we're talking Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, and Meta. Other reports to watch, GM, 
Ford, Boeing, UPS, Chevron, and ExxonMobil. That Chevron report, especially interesting considering some news earlier this morning. So earnings setting the stage for a busy week on Wall Street. Ahead of that, let's get one more check of the futures. Taking a look right now, you see the Dow looks like it would open up about 225 points lower. The S&P and the Nasdaq also falling deeply into the red. The Nasdaq hard hit. Looks like it's down. Uh, it was down about a third of a percent earlier, down even harder right now. Uh, joining me now to discuss this and the, that move in the treasuries right now with the 10-year, that yield crossing 5%, we have Katrina Dudley from Franklin Templeton. Good morning. Good morning. All right, great to have you here. Uh, a lot of action this morning. Started off slow, but we've seen a lot of action. So again, yields moving higher this morning. The 10-year, that yield moving above 5%. How does that impact the market action today? I think what we're looking at in those yields is how companies respond to them. So first of all, this new term has been developing, which is called the zombie company. And that zombie company is a company that cannot afford interest rates at these levels. And those zombie companies, actually, from our perspective, are potentially companies with either good businesses and bad balance sheets, and we just need to fix the balance sheet, or they're bad businesses with bad balance sheets, and they'll go through the Chapter 11 process. Just very quickly, we want to touch on a few other things, but Mm -hmm. how do you figure out which is which? You do intense research. There's no shortcut on that. So you want to understand if you've got a good business. So you're looking at all those markers of a company, you know, product that people want, something that's got inflation or pricing power, a company that has a great culture and has, you know, the ability to raise capital to replace that uh, balance sheet. Often people say it's a stock picker's market. It sounds like you've got to really dig in there. Um, So with all we're seeing this morning in mind, what is your WEX word of the day? My WEX word of the day is complacency, which is the other side of this word friction that we just talked about. So we are seeing so much complacency across the board. We're seeing it in the housing market. We're seeing consumers who are stuck in their houses because they've got those really low mortgage rates and they don't want to move maybe to take advantage of that new opportunity. They're stuck in their gyms because they got really great gym rates and so they don't move to the better gymnasium. (laughs) And, you know, Importantly, they're stuck in their jobs and they're stuck in the jobs because they negotiated some really good deals, um, flexible work environments, and they don't want to move and potentially give up those benefits. And complacency causes friction. And that friction is what we're concerned about. Okay, you are or you have no sense of complacency in you. You're coming to us with a pick this morning. It's Elevance. It it honestly is an underperformer this year. Shares are down 2% since they reported earnings last week, down 11% year to date. Why is this a pick right now in your mind? Because you're always trying to find undervalued stocks. We definitely are. I think, first of all, it comes back to this idea is we're looking for what is the new defensive in this market. Because what has traditionally been a defensive stock is not acting that way. Um, Part of it is coming actually down to these GLP-1 drugs that are making, you know, what is the packaged food sector and so many other sectors where you have had you know, defensive characteristics. This is a healthcare services company. It has got very low earnings expectations. They're a company that just beats um, the quarter. They raise it. They're going to do that next year, in our opinion. And the valuation is just too cheap. I think that it's a sector that people struggle to understand. And that's why that valuation mismatch exists. All right, Katrina, thank you very much. Great to have you here. Uh, we want to take one more look at Treasuries before we let you go. Right now, again, as we mentioned, the benchmark 10-year yield, it crossed the 5% mark earlier this morning. It's put some pressure on futures. Uh, the Dow down over 200 points. The S&P and the NASDAQ uh, down about three-quarters of a percent. That's going to do it for us. Squawk Box up next. Thanks for watching. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Too smart for your trading app? 
Tired of brokers made for beginners? Then it's time you get serious. It's time you join Tasty Trade. The tools and tech you need for a tough market, plus low and capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more, all in one place. If you trade anywhere else, you're missing out. Join the club, genius. Visit TastyTrade.com. Tasty Trade Inc. is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA, NFA, and SIPC.